It's time to talk San Diego Padres. This is Inside San Diego Baseball from 97.3 The Fan and the Padres Radio Network. Here's Sam Levitt. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Inside San Diego Baseball. Great to have you with us. Happy holidays on what's been a very busy week for the Padres, the signings of Seth Lugo and Matt Carpenter. We also found out that longtime Padre Will Myers is officially heading to the Cincinnati Reds. I was a little bit out of the loop this week. I was uh, spending some time away skiing in Utah. Now I'm actually recording this from my parents' house in New York, so uh, lucky to get some time off and uh, then rev things things up and get back to San Diego for the start of 2023 when we'll be just about a month and a half away believe it or not from the start of spring training good episode of the podcast today especially for all you Ben and Woods fans. I'm joined by Ben Higgins. A really good time to have Ben on with Ben and Woods off this week on 97.3 The Fan. So why not get Ben's opinions and thoughts on the signings of Seth Lugo, Matt Carpenter, and beyond. You'll hear my conversation with Ben in just a bit. But first, I want to tell you about a great event at Petco Park next week. It's the SDCCU Holiday Bowl on Wednesday, December 28th at 5 p.m. An excellent matchup between the University of Oregon out of the Pac-12 and the University of North Carolina out of the ACC. Tickets in the end zone starting at $55. You can also get an ultimate tailgate field ticket. That includes exclusive access to the Holiday Bowl field, a party deck, tailgate games, and two private cash bars on the playing field, as well as all-inclusive food and non-alcoholic beverages. Visit Padres.com slash Holiday Bowl for more information on San Diego's ultimate holiday party. That should be a lot of fun next week. The SDCCU Holiday Bowl on Wednesday, December 28th at 5 p.m. Now, without further ado, let's talk Padres with Ben Higgins from Ben & Woods. Ben, really appreciate you joining us on this edition of Inside San Diego Baseball. As you know, I am a Tier 1. I missed Ben and Woods this week. So this worked out really well because there was no Ben and Woods this week to react to the Matt Carpenter signing, to react to the Seth Lugo signing, everything that went down with Carlos Correa with the Giants and the Mets. So we have plenty of time now to hear Ben Higgins' thoughts on all these different things. So a perfect week to have you on. First, how are you? And uh, how are you getting ready for uh, Christmas and all that? Wait, inside San Diego baseball with Sam Levitt? I thought I was going on Sam the Cooking Guy's podcast. You don't want any of my holiday recipes? I've got them. I got a whole kitchen set up for you for all the cooking we were going to do. I know. If you notice, if you notice, I, uh, I I sort of just stayed to the side during all that. Did not get too involved. All right. Yes. Um, yeah, there's a lot to discuss from this this week. The hot stove league rolls on even when Ben and Woods uh, takes a little bit of a vacation for our health and sanity. So we don't have to get up in the morning every single day, but we will be back for the new year and we'll have lots to talk about. But yeah, let's let's get into it. Where do you want to start, Sam? I want to start with Carlos Correa because I'm a fan of uh, Ben and Woods when you start talking about different scenarios and what might have happened in different situations, all the drama with him and the Giants and his physical, a canceled press conference, the Mets swoop in, get him on a big contract. Ben, what are your thoughts on what transpired this week between Carlos Correa and the Giants? Because as you know, it does affect the Padres, a guy that we thought for at least a few days they would face for a long time in the NL West. I try to be as understanding as I can about 
forces beyond our control and, and what happens behind the scenes in a Major League Baseball club, uh, finances, things that are way above my pay grade. But it's hard to view this as anything other than completely unacceptable if you're a San Francisco Giants fan. Uh, when you go to the medicals, when you've agreed with someone, I mean, there, there's just about every single athlete has a history of injuries that could torpedo a major deal like this. And there's there's nothing that we've learned about Carlos Correa that seems anything out of the completely regular course of, of the nicks and bruises and, and injuries that a, a Major League Baseball player is going to suffer over the course of his career. He's been on the field. He's a guy that posts, maybe not to the level of Manny Machado, but he he's out there and, and he plays. So to pull the plug at the last minute like this, it, it left me shaking my head. You just don't see this. And I, I feel like it's going to have a negative effect on the reputation of the San Francisco Giants, their, their front office and ownership going forward as well. I mean, even if they had legitimate reasons, it's going to make agents and players around the league think twice about dealing with the San Francisco Giants in free agency. So, uh, you know, my first part of me was go, hey, he's out of the division. You don't have to face him 14 times out of the year. That's a really good player. The second part of me goes, I think even with Carlos Correa, the Padres were still, you know, a good deal above the San Francisco Giants in terms of what they had on their roster and their pitching staff. The Mets might be the bigger problem when it comes to a playoff series and NLCS whenever you're going to have to go up against them in the postseason. And they just got even more dangerous with the addition of another superstar player. Yeah, it, it was a really odd situation with Correa. And then you read some of the reporting that the Giants may have been concerned about an injury from when he was in the minor leagues, which at this stage of Correa's career just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So you kind of wonder if maybe there were just some cold feet on either side. And then the Mets go get a really good player who performs in the postseason. And I'm with you. I think right now to me, I'm kind of thinking way ahead you know, a Padres, Mets, NLCS, something like that, you know, doesn't seem uh, too far-fetched. Let's move on to what the Padres did this week because, you know, the big move, obviously, Xander Bogarts earlier in the offseason, but the two moves they made this week, I think they are very, very important in two players that I think are going to play a big-time role on this team. So let's start with Matt Carpenter, who is likely at the moment, unless the Padres go get somebody else, he's going to be the DH a lot. He can also play some different positions. Has had an interesting few years. What happened with the Cardinals, the end of his time there, goes to the Yankees and really produces, hits home runs. Uh, before we get to this lineup as a whole, your initial thoughts on when you heard the Padres were signing Matt Carpenter. Well, let's let's start with the fact that I don't expect Matt Carpenter to hit the way he did yeah. for his, you know, two month stretch with the Yankees last summer. It's that was like Babe Ruth magic. It's not going to happen, especially not at Petco Park. Now, the good news is, if he's anywhere close to that, I mean, if he's half of that, it's still a great signing for the San Diego Padres. Uh, they needed left-handed hitters. Uh, someone who could play first base, someone who can play corner outfield positions, be a designated hitter. And if Matt Carpenter on a pretty low risk deal has another year or two in him, you know, based on what he's done to rework his swing, you know, during the last offseason, signing that minor league deal with the Rangers, then going on to the Yankees. Uh, this seems like maybe the perfect la kind of mm -hmm. last piece to that Padres lineup that they just added. Now, 
you know, maybe he's still the 187 hitter that he was at the end of, of his Cardinals tenure, and then the Padres still have a hole to fill. But in terms of what was out there and, you know, what was available and what was affordable, I really like the move for Matt Carpenter. Yeah, and I think you use the two words that are really important. They are available and affordable. I think it's a really good, not gamble, I don't know if that's the right word, but I think it's a good bet almost for the Padres saying, you know what, if he can be somewhat like that player that we saw in New York, that's a really nice left-handed addition to this lineup. So let's go through the lineup. Now that unless the Padres do something else, this is pretty much what you're looking at on opening day, not in any particular order, but you have Tatis in the outfield, Soto in the outfield, Manny at third, Bogarts at shortstop, Cronenworth at first base, Kim at second base, Grisham in center, Carpenter, the DH, and uh, let's say Austin Nola gets to start behind the plate on opening day. Ben Higgins, I ask you this. Is that a division title lineup to you? That could be the best lineup in baseball to me. Okay. I mean, you know, if if everyone plays, I'm not saying career years. Yeah. If everyone plays to at least 80 to 100% of what they're capable of, that would definitely challenge for the best lineup in baseball. So, yes, that could win the division, even an NL West division with the Dodgers. Now, you got to play the whole season. You got to stay healthy. Fernando Tatis Jr. has, you know, got to bounce back after not playing for a year and a half. There are a lot of question marks. We'll see what kind of numbers Xander Bogarts puts up moving from the American to the National League. Will there be a, an adjustment year? Will there be an adjustment to the park? Uh, the kind of, you know, struggles that we've seen other players come you know, in San Diego at the beginning, even Manny Machado, you know, had some had some difficulties his first season with the Padres kind of adjusting. So I don't know that it'll all come together, but it certainly has the potential uh, to be a division winning lineup. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's a deep lineup, and especially if you get increased production from guys like Grisham and guys like Cronenworth and Kim takes another step forward and you get what you expect to get from those top four I'm with you, and Carpenter contributes and and is, uh, like we said, somewhat of that player with the Yankees. I'm with you. I think it's a lineup that can compete for a division and be one of, if not the best in baseball. Um, it, it can be really, really deep. So that was one of the big moves, the Matt Carpenter signing, which pretty much finishes up this lineup uh, as it is right now. The Seth Lugo signing is also really interesting for this Padres team. He's a really interesting pitcher. Ben, because, you know, he's he's sort of a stat cast darling. His curveball has always been, you know, super high spin rate, a really good pitch. He was a reliever, you know, the last couple of years, but throws a number of different pitches. He started before, you know, signs a contract uh, with some different incentives. And, you know, it sounds like the Padres, well, it sounds like he will start in all likelihood, unless they go get somebody else. Uh, but that maybe it'll be more, uh, kind of a Nick Martinez role that we saw last year, or maybe there will be uh, some going back and forth. So from the outset, you hear the name Seth Lugo, you do some research, your thoughts on that pickup. Yeah, I watched a lot of video of that curveball. Uh, certainly one of the, the best in baseball, especially from a right-hander. He's used it to devastating effect, as you said. Kind of the stat cast darling. I don't know that I want a stat cast darling as my number one or number two, but I'm certainly yeah. fine with him at number five. He's going to get a lot of people out with that pitch, and uh, hopefully they can stretch him out. You know, he can be a starter at this point in the season. The one thing I might consider, and no one's really talked about it yet, but, you know, you've got Nick Martinez and Seth Lugo as your four or five. I don't necessarily want them on back-to-back -back days. 
Uh, I might mix that up a little bit. And if that means, uh, you know, pushing Blake Snell back to the four, just to split him up a, a bit with a devastating lefty and a different look. Uh, I don't necessarily want to, opposing lineups to get Martinez and Lugo on consecutive days over and over again. You know, that's probably a Cadillac problems for Bob Melvin, not something you worry about too much. And it all kind of works out as the season goes on anyway. But just one of the thoughts that I had about Seth Lugo. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, you know, the, the way this offseason has played out, I think, is really a lot different, at least from what I thought would happen. I mean, I don't know if you agree. I, I thought probably the Padres would have signed, you know, one of those starting pitchers from the top to middle tier of the free agent market. You know, forget Carlos Rodon, but maybe a Chris Bass and a Taiwan Walker, uh, a Kodai Singa. It ends up being they signed Bogarts, and it's been more piecing together the the, the rest. And, um, you know, in signing somebody like a Seth Lugo to take that number five spot, and I suppose your quote-unquote six guys in the rotation right now would be, you know, Lugo, Martinez, Snell, Darvish, Musgrove, and, and Adrian Morahone. I guess, are, are you surprised that it's ended up that way without the Padres ever bringing a Bassett, a Walker, a Senga in here? I mean, I guess if you had asked me at the start of the offseason, yeah. I would have been, you know, Radon or Senga would have been, I thought, a much likelier acquisition than Xander Bogarts of all right. people. Yeah, Xander Bogarts, that surprised me. That, you know, once again, as many times as I've told people, hey, don't be surprised by A.J. Preller. He's probably doing something that you're not expecting. I still get surprised every single time when something like that happens. So, yes, it was surprising. After... After the Bogart signing, it's actually played out kind of predictably. You right. knew they had to add, you know, uh, some depth in the starting rotation. You knew they had to add some sort of designated hitter piece. You didn't think they would break the bank again. And while I didn't, you know, the names Lugo and Carpenter weren't kind of floating around my head, they make perfect sense for what I thought was going to happen after the Xander Bogart signing. Before it, no. After, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think I, I said the words earlier, available and affordable. I think the other words with those two guys would be high upside, right? Like you're you're trying to get guys who, if they perform to the highest of their capabilities, could be really, really good pieces to this team. And um, I, I, I like the Seth Lugo signing. I think I said it on the last podcast we did that um, that out of some of the, the different names, he was a name I really liked. And again, the stuff, you know, I watched him with the Mets for a while, and his stuff has always been really good so I'm, I'm rooting for for Seth Lugo to have a big impact I think he can you know there is a concern as you say high upside I think the floor yeah. is a little bit lower though if if Lugo doesn't make that transition back to to starting which hasn't done much of the last seven years with the Mets you know the Padres are in a, in a bit of trouble you know kind of digging the bottom of the barrel with their own in-house options aren't aren't great with Morahone and yeah. weathers and, and groom right now so you're kind of counting on him to to make a big change and you're not sure now if it works out yeah i like the high upside same with carpenter you know if he he performs anywhere near like the yankees that's a huge upside but there's a reason why no one was signing him at the start of last season and it's because they had more than a, a season or so of numbers that that look pretty pitiful offensively and if you know that was magic in a bottle that he can't reproduce the downside, the floor, is kind of low on him as well. So, you know, this is the Padres team that's going for the World Series. Though. You don't win the World Series by making a bunch of safe moves by guys who have, you know, higher floors but pretty low ceilings. 
you want those high ceiling guys and you hope it all comes together, you know, magically at the same time and lifts you to a world championship. Well, the off season is a long way from over. It's something I talked about on the last podcast. We have a long way to go. And uh, we know, you certainly know with AJ Preller, you never quite know uh, what the next move might be. And he does things that surprise you. And it was interesting. Uh, Dennis Lynn wrote this week in The Athletic, quote unquote, some rival clubs that have spoken with the Padres believe the team is more than open to trading Trent Grisham, which is, um, that's the end of the quote. Some, you know, sometimes when I do these these quote unquotes, I'm not sure what to say at the end, but the Trent Grisham uh, was the end of the line from uh, Dennis Lynn in The Athletic there. Uh what do you think, Ben Higgins? Is A.J. Preller done? If there's a trade for a starting pitcher to be had, is somebody like Trent Grisham a, a possible piece? What are your thoughts on if the Padres do maybe add on to this starting rotation or uh, another piece of this team uh, before the end of this offseason? My guess is that that sentence can be filled with more than just Trent Grisham's name. Yeah, uh, With A.J. Preller as general manager, that there are other guys that he's open to trading. I mean, mm-hmm. if the... If the return is right, I don't foresee them, you know, getting a great return for Trent Grisham, you know, coming off the, the, the season that he did. Maybe the postseason, you know, piqued some interest of some teams. But I'm I'm absolutely fine with Trent Grisham being the starting center fielder for this Padres team. Yeah, you don't want him as your, your three hitter or your five hitter, but as a potential eight or nine hitter gold glove winning center fielder, that's the kind of player that a lot of championship teams have at the bottom of their order. Great defensively, going to run into you know some some home runs here or there, going to surprise some people with his bat. Doesn't have to carry the team, though, yeah. at any point in the season. But no, I wouldn't be shocked if his name was up in, in some trade rumors. Let me advance the question a little bit. What would you consider a successful offensive season from Trent Grisham in this lineup and with what he brings on defense? I would say that anything above a 320 on base percentage with uh, home runs in the, you know, closing in on 20 would be just fine. You know, even if the average is still in the low 200s, that's that's not a disastrously bad season for Trent Grisham. You know, gets on base. I would love to see the strikeouts go down a little bit, you know, and, and correspondingly maybe some walks go up by – making a little more contact and, and being a little more fearsome where, where pitchers don't feel like they can just get strike one on them every single time without fear. But I, I think that's very doable for Trent Grisham in 2023. Yeah. And, and I, if I were a betting man, I, I would sort of assume the overall numbers. I mean, we'll see with the power, which was there this season, but that the overall numbers uh, will go up as far as average on base percentage, things like that. I, I, I just, I think, we've seen more from him to make at least me believe that there is more in there offensively for Trent Grisham. I also like some of the quotes that we heard from Matt Carpenter about Trent Grisham. Um, those were really interesting. So that's uh, that's good as well. Ben, There's also appreciate- not much room to go down. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Trent, Trent had a, a tough offensive season uh, by the average and things like that, no doubt. Uh, ben, appreciate the time. I know uh, we're recording this, by the way, on a Thursday night. Ben's uh, working on the TV side of things tonight. So I'll let you go. Uh, happy holidays. Hope you have a, a great uh, few days off. I'm not sure how many days off you're taking uh, with your family, but appreciate you doing this. Great to see you. Thank you. I am off. Actually, after tonight, uh, you won't see me on TV again. You won't hear me on the radio until 2023, <laughs> but we will be back with a vengeance 
Uh, and pottery season will be right around the corner yeah. as January uh, hits on the calendar. So looking forward to it. Thank you for inviting me, Sam. Uh, it's good to see you and uh, have a great holiday season yourself. That'll do it for this edition of Inside San Diego Baseball. Hope everybody has a great weekend. Happy holidays, and I'll talk to you next time.